right, we're back for stage nine and the final stage of the 2020 Jira Rosa. Lauren, how are you today? Good, but I uh, disappointed in myself. I got the race so wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my predictions, and I feel like I saw someone on Twitter having a go at um, not, I felt like I, at us, but not, they probably weren't. Um, I'll have to find the tweet and tell you about it offline. But, um, of course, today was going to be a great day, actually, for the opportunists, if we think about it. But um, in all the excitement of the the GC contention, it was just all about the GC riders in my head. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, we, we kind of pinned this race, the last day of the race, on really Trek Segafredo to t- try to make up that minute and whatever – or make up the two minutes to, to the GC lead, which was never going to happen. Like if let's be honest, Mm -hmm. that is too big of a G that's too big of a lead to overcome. So you're right. I think we did, we Mm -hmm. did get wrapped up a little bit in the GC battle. Whereas today, I mean, it was, it was a day, it was a day for the opportunists. I'll run through what happened, um, on the stage and then we can dive into the, the nuts and bolts. So basically it was a hundred and, we'll say 10 kilometer long stage, four laps of a climb and a descent. The climb was roughly 9K, 6K. They kind of topped out and plateaued and then descended. The descent is was actually pretty technical, it sounds like. Um, from what we could see on the highlights package, it did look like quite a quite a snaky little descent. Um, and then a pretty technical run into the finish with a lot of uh, left, right turns, the left-hand turn into the finish was pretty tight and the finish was a little bit uphill. Um, yeah, it looked it, hard. it looked really hard. So basically a pretty huge break went off the, off the front from the gun. It was like 27 riders and that kind of whittled itself down and slowly became smaller and smaller. But the group of about 23 riders got five minutes at one point from the, the group containing the GC favorites and Anna van der Bregen. That group in front attacked each other and riders got dropped and riders went off the front and it was complete chaos. And at one point there was a group of four up the road with uh, Arlena Sierra, who hasn't had as many results this year as years previously. Of course, it is Rona time, so there's not been a ton of racing, but We've seen her have some incredible performances in the past, and she was in that group of four. That group of four got brought back together with the smaller group from behind, and it was a group of seven that made its way into the finish, won by Evita Music of FDJ Nouvella Aquitaine Futuroscope. Second place was Neve Fisher Black of Paul Codd, Kiwi National Champion. And third place was Juliette Lebu of Team Sunweb, won three for the French cool and later down a couple minutes later we saw the gc riders roll in cecile utra bludwig tried really hard to take that two seconds between herself and the podium of the general classification from elisa longo borghini it was a failure elisa longo borghini was on it she's riding so well she was she was yeah she was great interestingly everyone was isolated in that group like on on Reagan mm-hmm. didn't have any teammates Elisa didn't have any teammates Cecile didn't have any teammates like everybody was alone um but the the GC riders rolled into the line together 
no change in the general classification as of yet. Um, the top three remains the same. Anna Vandebregen wins her third, Jero Rosa. Second place, Kashini Wadoma. Third place, Elisa Lango Borghini. And fourth place, Cecile Utrecht Ludwig, who takes the mountain jersey after an incredibly aggressive race. Um, Mariana Voss takes the sprint jersey after winning three stages. And Michaela Harvey takes the young rider jersey by five some minutes. So impressive yeah. riding by her. Now, before we jump into the goings on of the day, let's hear from Ruth Winder, who was actually in the initial break of 23 and with her teammate, Ellen Van Dyke. Day nine, last day of Giro Rosa was the day for the breakaway. Um, yeah, I was in there with Ellen um, for most of the whole race. We were kind of working for Ellen to try and do a, Kind of late attack, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have a whole lot to say. We had a really good Giro as a team, and I'm just feeling really tired now. I'm recording this voice memo after a three- or four-hour drive, something like that, to get to a hotel, airport hotel, and flying home tomorrow. Um, yeah, just just feeling tired, but super good race, super good Giro for our team, um, a couple of podiums, and... Um, with Elisa on the podium, the third place overall, which is really good. Um, we had a really strong start to the Giro with the team time trial win and then kind of a rough second day um, for everybody. Just felt really, I think, probably just tired from that team time trial. And then, yeah, we really pulled it back, though, with a really cool day yesterday. And then, yeah, Elisa keeping third on the podium today. Um, which was really cool. Ellen ended up fifth today on today's stage, so also not too bad. Um, I'm looking forward to a good night's sleep and just a couple days to chill before the rest of this super hectic season that we've got going on. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening along. All right. So, Lauren, what should we dive into first? Should we talk about the stage winner first? Because... We don't really know much about her, but when you're looking at her results, she's actually like quite a young up and comer. I mean, she's, she's 21 years old and last year she had some incredible results. She won the young riders Jersey at Immaculate Bira. She was second in the young rider classification at Valencia. She was third in the young rider classification at uh, the Giro, the Giro Rosa last year. She won the U23 national championships. She's, yeah, she's got, she won the young rider classification at Ardash. So last year she was, you know, up there, not really in the general classification. Like she was, she won the young rider general classification at Ardash, but was 13th in the overall But I mean, still a really impressive handful of results for her for 2019. And then this is her first ever professional win. She's never won a race before this. So that's really, really cool. I mean, it was, what do you think? What do you think of this? Just thinking about um, the run-up to the finish, uh, the young Kiwi rider was super strong, but... um, yeah, is it Evita? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Evita? Yeah. Music? Evita. Yeah, she just didn't panic one bit. It felt like she was in control the whole time um, leading up to that finish, which, you know, 
quite often young riders, for example, like the Kiwi one, I think she just went a bit too early and then um, got a bit excited, didn't really look around and drop off the gas just a little bit. Um, so I thought it was just a really great win by this young rider and I'm not too familiar with her, but I definitely will be looking out for future results because to win a stage of the Giro Rosa is something very special. Um, and as such a young rider, like you mentioned before, she's won numerous young rider jerseys. And, you know, I think back to all the young rider jerseys, Cassia Nuodoma was winning um, a few years ago and look at her now. So um, really great to see a day for the opportunists, in my opinion. Um, Again, didn't really think about it uh, yesterday. I was just so caught up in what was happening with the GC and the excitement. But um, it looked like it was a pretty pretty good race, but I'm just a bit sad that I couldn't really follow it, which maybe might lead us into the next topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to like – I have like, yeah, a couple thoughts on the young rider thing. I think it's really interesting, the young rider competition, because sometimes you see these young riders hop on the scene and they're winning races right off the bat. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, those types of young riders burn out pretty quickly and you see them have this peak when they're in their younger days and then they have so much pressure on them. And some of them can't quite rise to the occasion after that, which is like not, not bad or anything. It it just is how it happens sometimes. But when you have a young rider like this, who's kind of slowly chipping away now in her third year on FDJ and her third year as a professional, she wins her first race. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like personally that kind of leads to more success in the future than if you're winning races right at the beginning of your career. And then you kind of get buried in the, in the, pressure if that makes sense yeah yeah and I've I've always loved the young rider competition to be honest I think it's a nice goal um for those young riders to have without like you said that huge amount of pressure because obviously some of them do just burst onto the scene and achieve really big things really quickly in their careers and like you said they can burn out um but yeah this this is something that I think um certain teams do really well is nurturing the riders um, that they do see as potential future stars. You know who actually comes to mind is someone, uh, Lucy Lucy Garner, formerly, I can't think of how her last name is now, Van... Vander, Van, Vanderbrook? Van she married Der- the cross rider, yeah. Yeah, so I remember Lucy when she burst onto the scene, Junior World Champion, if I recall, and then, you know, uh, back then, what was the name of the team? Uh, Liv Planter, I think it was. Mm. They scooped her up. formerly Sunweb. Exactly. They scooped her up, put her on, I think, a five-year deal or something ridiculous like that, and, um, you know, she just, I don't know if she burnt out or what it was, maybe too much pressure, but she's sort of this super talented rider kind of just never developed into maybe what she could have been yeah yeah it's really it's it definitely happens a lot and and like you said there are teams that are better at it and teams that are worse at it I think we know by now that like Sunweb is not great at nurturing young riders whereas FDJ FDJ used to be a development team and they've exactly 
yep. slowly built over the years into a world tour team. So I have so much hope for this rider in the future because because of her progression, but also because of the environment she's in. Because I think on FDJ, like Evita is just going to be totally nurtured and she's going to thrive. And and I, I love that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the live coverage today, I mean, I feel for the guy, for Owen, who's in the car following the race and doing the UCI tweets. And I, I can't, we can't pin it on him that there's very poor coverage. Um, I don't think it's his fault. I think he's in the last car in the caravan. So by the time race radio gets him, like it cuts in and out. And so it's hard for him to know what's going on. But also today's race was hectic. There was so much going on. And then like when the highlights or the final final 20k of it came on the onto GCN and flow bikes you had no idea what was going on there was no like time gaps there was no nothing like I still don't know what happened (laughs) yeah well (laughs) this this was the thing is um I was like about to tweet something and he did say Owen um from the UCI women's world tour twitter account that this is no one's fault but uh I don't want to point fingers, but one, why is the the only coverage we're really getting live is through um, either the Giro Rosa Twitter account, the official one, which is pretty dismal, I must say, um, and then Owen, who when he has the radio coverage is doing quite a good job, but why put him in the last bloody car? Like, it makes no yeah. sense. Um, I was trying to find out what was happening, but for the longest time he had no idea who was even up in the break. Um, And it all sort of just came at the end. Yeah, and part of that is because of the reshuffling of the break. I mean, from what we can tell, that group of 23 going into the final lap just was attacking each other and super aggressive and would have been really exciting to watch with riders getting spit out the back and riders trying to go off the front. And it, it just sounded like complete and utter chaos, which is the best kind of bike racing mm-hmm. and the fact that we couldn't watch it. And then, and then I'm sitting here like, Oh man, I can't wait to watch this, this, the highlights when they come on flow bikes and then it comes on and it's, there's one camera and you you can't really see anything that's going on. And, and so like, two strikes against the Giro because not only is there no live coverage during the race, three strikes, they have Owen in the last car. He has no idea what's going on. If he was in com one, which mm. surely they could put him in com one as the UCI Twitter, then we would at least have a little bit better idea of what's going on because he could see what was going on on the road. In the last car, you're behind all the team cars. You can't see anything back there. Unless you're on like a windy road and you can kind of see up ahead a little bit, which it sounds like he could a couple times. And like from watching the the video, you could see that some of the roads were, were super windy and you could see for a really long time and see multiple gaps on the road. But if he was in COM 1, he'd be able to see a lot of what was going on. And so that's strike two. And strike three is that when the highlights came out, they were, I'm sorry, they were garbage. <laughs> Yeah, they really weren't anything. I just stopped watching, to be honest. I, I watched the end bit because um, the finale was, yeah, 
quite exciting, I thought. Um, and to further your three points or strikes, like what a great win for this young rider if the race was that hard that it seemed like a real race of attrition and then to come out and have riders like Ellen Van Dyke in your group and take the win, it's pretty impressive. Granted, yeah. Trek Segafredo yeah. had a hard week, of course, but still, um, it was a classy, bloody, bloody ride. It really was, and she had her teammate Brody Chapman with her in the in the break, which really helped her because Brody really set the pace heading into the final couple kilometers. So today's stage was super successful for us. Um, not exactly the original plan. Uh, we were all in to help Silly take back some seconds as she was two seconds off the podium. Um, but yeah, quite early on after the first technical descent, there was a breakaway and it kind of blew out to a bit of a bigger breakaway of I think around 26 girls and both Evita and I were there, which was pretty satisfying. And yeah, I mean, our job was just to sit pretty and stay in the break and not push it too far, anticipating that it would probably come back. Um, but yeah, eventually when it appeared that the break was actually going to stay away because there were some really motivated girls, particularly Sunweb, were riding it really hard. Um, and there was two Trek riders there, so with Ellen Van Dyke and Ruth. They're super strong, super savvy. Um, yeah, lots of good teams represented. We had to then think of a way, how do we win today's stage? And maybe not everyone knows, but Evita is an extremely talented climber. She's been there really late into the race to the finals with Sealy throughout this whole tour. And um, yeah, I felt that she was definitely our best chance to win today. Um, so we kind of spoke and I thought, you know what we have to do is ride the climb really hard and um, drop sprinters or people that can sprint. And so then Avita could go for the win. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. She'd actually told me in a conversation a few days earlier just randomly that about climbing she's like oh I really like climbs that you can go long and go your own kind of pace you know and I'm the same actually I'm not brilliant at following attacks or putting in big bursts of energy I'm a bit more of a diesel in that sense so we use that to both of our advantage today. Second last lap um, just to put a bit of sting in people's legs I attacked on a quite steep part of the climb near the end and yeah a couple of riders followed and just made it a little bit hard to see yeah, where everyone was at. Uh, stayed in a good position on the descent and actually a little tiny breakaway from our breakaway came off the front. So then I knew it was time to reel them back in and it was timed perfectly that pretty much as soon as we reeled them back in, um, I just sent it, uh, gave it everything I had just to try and drop as many people as possible. I knew that Evita would be comfortable behind me and she could definitely hold the wheels. So, um, yeah, I kind of just kept going until I couldn't and I got to two kilometres to go and looked around and there was only six riders left, which was perfect, and Evita was amongst them. And, yeah, then she absolutely just brilliantly finished the job and it was so, so satisfying and so relieving and just amazing that uh, it's our first World Tour win for the team. Um, and, yeah, having a French rider wins even more sweet. So, yeah super satisfying for the team. Bittersweet in the sense that um, Cecily gave everything she could to try and put a little gap into Longo Borghini at the end, but Longo was too strong and 
yeah, really small time gap. She did secure the overall QOM jersey, um, which was really nice to be on the podium every day. And she's obviously had a podium in this race as well uh, on one of the extremely hardest finishes, I think. So, um, yeah, really good things for the future for the team. And we're all, all super happy. And so that was great. And I know that Ruth was in the break with Ellen Van Dyke. And, and so there was multiple collections of teammates into mm-hmm. in this break. But Brody and Evita did such a good job. And that was the, the, the bulk of what we could see of the race was Brody setting the pace at the front. And then Evita just set it up so well because, yeah, Neve Fisher Black went. And she went too early, but Evita was on it. And she was able to come around Neve at the end of the race and and take this win. And I agree 100%. This is such an impressive victory for her because the course was hard. The race was chaotic. And she won this race. And this is a very, should be a very, very special win for her, I think. Because, yeah, you win a race out of a break if it's, you know, Ronda Van Drenta. It's... <laughs> it's a one day race too, right? Like this young rider yeah. has just raced nine days. Exactly, exactly. This is such an impressive victory for her. And and yeah, she's on my radar now. Like I can't wait to see what she does next because I think she's just gonna be such an impressive rider in the future. And I hope that in aggressive races like this and, and races like flesh alone like we could see her up there then because that's a nice climb but can be a pretty chaotic finish and it says so much about a rider when they're able to position themselves correctly when there is so much going on because the last 20k of this race really the entire race today was absolute chaos Chaos. (laughs) yeah that's pretty much the only takeaway we can we can get from the twitter account is that a lot happened today we don't know what it was but a lot happened (laughs) hashtag women cycling yeah seriously (laughs) um but yeah there were some great takeaways overall just from the giro um some young riders really shone through and then of course lizzie banks it is Yep. I thought she had a really great tour. Mavi Garcia, considering she just came off the back of Ardesh, was right up there as well. All our favorite riders, of course, were up there in the mix. But um, it's for, for me in particular, the Giro seems to, um, with those young riders, they seem to really shine through in this race. Uh, mm-hmm. We go on about how it's such a special race for for any female Um who's out there and races, whether it's domestically or internationally. I knew about the Giro years and years back when I was still racing in Australia and I always dreamed of racing it. But then, of course, at the time, you don't understand um, that of all the races, it probably has the least amount of coverage in the World Tour, um, yet it's one of the most, if not the, mo- the, the most prestigious race, right? So yeah. Yeah, and I I chatted with Ruth in the very first Giro episode that we put out before, and she said, yeah, it's it's a very tumultuous relationship with this race because this race has such a history in women's racing, and it holds such a high place in kind of the world of women's racing. But then you don't, you realize when you get there, and also like us trying to cover it, that it's a very poorly organized event that 
if if it weren't for their history and it, if it weren't for the fact that they are the only women's quote unquote grand tour, they wouldn't have this kind of status because they are a poorly run event. And I mean, we, we heard that from Amy who's on the ground. Um, when I chatted with her a couple of days ago that pretty much every single day, the route changed or the finish changed or the start time changed or, or like something crazy happened. And it was like every single day they had an excuse, but when something happens every single day, you kind of start to be like, wait, what? Like, no. Why is this happening? And- exactly. And, and it's, it's, it's really a bummer because there are such great races that don't have this kind of prestige that are amazing races that should be world tour and, I just hope that next year, if they're, if the great race of the North North is able to go forward, that that'll be another 10 day stage race for the women in Mm -hmm. Norway and Sweden. And I hope that with that coming onto the scene, it kind of forces the Giro to step up a little bit because those races have always had live coverage and they've always been really well organized. And so if those races can come onto the scene and, and kind of show the Giro how it should be done. I hope that that would change it. And I hope that if, if, and I am not holding I'm my waiting breath. For it. I'm waiting for it now. <laughs> if we have a women's tour de France, that that also forces the Giro to step it up. But I just don't see it happening because it's such an old race that the organizers are like, oh, but we're the Giro. We hold the race. You come. yeah this thing about cycling there's still that very much that old school old boys club mentality hate to say it but it's the truth um you still see it in belgium here um but i i agree with you on this one uh this is something that we've spoken about for years i think even when we were podcasting together three years ago we were harping on about this and i'm sure the women have been harping on it about it for years um i'm thinking back to that first uci meeting in 2015 after strada bianchi when they spoke of the women's world tour and stipulated exactly what needed to be done in order for a race to get that world tour status and um yeah they just haven't risen to that that requirement um, I wish so, that the UCI would just pull their world tour status. Like, I think seriously, I wish they would. what's needed. And like I've said before, it is an important race, but we we don't need races. And I said this about Flesh Long, for example, that don't really want to invest in women's cycling and they're not moving forward with everything else that is. So, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll go to another race. Another exactly. Another I race mean, will pop up, and we we actually we have a lot of power, not in our very in our very small realm about what races we cover. And I feel like we should, you know, take a step forward and do like a daily of the women's tour, which has incredible coverage, and they don't have live coverage, but they would have this year, um, because it was a requirement. So they didn't like try to push the rules and be like, well, you're not going to kick us out of the world tour if we don't have it. Like, ha ha. They were like, yeah, we'll have live coverage. Like we'll fork up the money to have this live coverage. Whereas the Giro Rosa is kind of like, 
well, we're not going to follow your rules and what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Like, See I'd you love later. For, yeah, exactly. So I'd love for us, I don't next year, if, if the season goes to plan to cover the great race of the North with a daily podcast and not do the Giro because I don't want to give like, but that's, that's the hard thing, right? That's when it, that's when you hit kind of a wall. Cause it's like, well, the women deserve this coverage that we're giving them. Like they deserve to, for the world to see the kind of athletic achievements that they're getting and how strong and how determined these women are. Like they deserve that coverage. So we can't not cover it. And that's when it comes into this like vicious cycle of like, well, I don't want to give this race any more prestige than it already has, but I also can't not cover it because it's the freaking Giro Rosa. So it like turns into this, oh, oh man, it's exhausting. Yeah. Well, he is hoping that next year is more of a normal year, I'll say. And that um, I'm really excited about this race of the North, to be honest. Um, I don't know why, but Game of Thrones is just popping into my head. (laughs) Same. Every single time I say the race of the North, I like, I'm like the race of the North. (laughs) And I like hold my arm up like I'm holding a sword. Because Maybe maybe we can take the intro music and like for the daily (laughs) podcast, have that and decide whether we're a Stark or a, um, yeah, definitely a Stark. I want anyway. to be a Stark for sure. I think I'll I'll kind of slot it slot the thought into Kaylee's head that you and I go cover it live next year. That'd be pretty cool. I won't say no to that. It's I I just love those Scandinavian countries so much. Oh man, think of all the salmon we could eat. Oh, just everything about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anna van der Breggen won her third Giro Rosa of her career. She's previously won in 2015, 2017, and now in 2020, which is really interesting. I feel like she she had a really strong ride on stage two. She obviously had a really strong ride yesterday in stage eight on the final climb. But other than that, she flew pretty much completely under the radar. Um, mm, yep. And, and she no took stage this... stage win to speak of. Yeah, exactly. She took this, this victory, the overall victory... After Annemiek van Vluten crashed out, but she still took it. And and yesterday was really the day that she took this win because it, yesterday be, ended up being the deciding factor. Or if anyone's listening to this, not on the day that the race ended and in the future. Stage eight is the day that was the deciding factor of the GC, interestingly, um, after we thought it was completely wrapped up on stage two after the gravel. So... Mm-hmm. Anna van der Bregen, kudos to her. It wasn't really an aggressive GC battle that we probably hoped, but it was still a really strong ride by her. And I think like the takeaways for me on the GC are Kashini Wadoma, incredible second place from her. And really she did that on stage two on the gravel day when she was able to catch on Evanda Bregan after the gravel had ended and on the run into the finish. Mm-hmm. And then Elisa Longo Borghini, who was able to make an incredible comeback after losing four and a half minutes on stage two, when she was in the pink Jersey to still land herself on the podium of this race. So that's kind of like thoughts on the GC Lauren. Yeah, it's been it feels like it's been longer than 9 days, but exactly for, for me it was very much Elisa's performance and just shows 
what a class act she is that like to have a really bad day on day two the first road race to bounce back from that like I mean I know she's a seasoned rider but still that's a heavy hit when you you come into a race you have great form it's your home country you're expecting big things of yourself and then you know to be thrown off like that like you said over four minutes down on the GC it feels at least I know how I would feel um, a bit doom and gloom but she just went from strength to strength throughout that tour and then to take her first Giro Rosa victory was just a beautiful thing to see and so for me in terms of GC that was the most impressive ride I have to say and to further that I was very impressed with the fifth place rider um the young rider Michaela Harvey um yeah and then of course we had all the usual suspects up up there and then the devastation of seeing Annemiek van Vluden and Amanda Spratt have to pull out of the race um, after that really heavy crash. It kind of had everything this race. And again, that's the beauty of the Giro Rosa, isn't it? Um, but yeah, for me, I, in terms of GC, it was definitely Elise's ride. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Anna van der Bregen winning the GC is is awesome. I mean, it's great to see her back up there. She's not had as as strong performances in the last year as we've seen her in the past. So I think the- though, like it's just because Anna Meek has really risen. So since she yeah. won gold at Rio Olympics, you know, before that it was Anna, 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 Anna. Then Anna Meek just has come out and just really stepped it up. And so if you, if I think we look back at the results, she's come second to Anna Meek on a lot of occasions. That's um, true. Yeah. So it's not like she's just, her performance has decreased. It's just Anna Meek has just blown it out of the water. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. So this it's definitely not taken away from any of these riders. It's just uh, she's gone from strength to strength to strength. Um, but, yeah, that being said, you know how these things go. Riders are on top for a couple of years, and then the tide changes, and there's someone new that rises up. So, yeah. I'm not sure who that will be in 2021, 2022, but that's the exciting thing about sport. For sure. I mean, we could we could try to guess, but we would, much like today's results, we'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think uh, as the, the most impressive GC performance was Elisa with her comeback, because not only physically did she come back from stage two, she mentally excelled and... Every single time there was an opportunity, she took it. And every single time she could have been deflated, she was smiling and she kept going. And I think, like we said yesterday, a lot of that has to do with her team and her team environment and them propping her up after stage two and telling her it doesn't matter, we're going to keep fighting. Um, Because she has had really strong performances in the past on Wiggle but I think the team environment there was not as quality as that trek. And maybe those performances led to kind of like a downward spiral versus like trek is such a good environment that it didn't matter that she lost four and a half minutes. Like, yeah, of course it matters, but like it was kind of a, don't worry, we'll, we'll keep fighting for you 
kind mm-hmm. of situation. The other really impressive ride on the GC, I think, is Cecile Utrecht Ludwig, um, who, yeah. if she hadn't lost over a minute in the TTT on the first day, she would have been on the podium of the GC. Yeah, and- that's a brilliant point, actually. I completely forgot to take that into regard. And how detrimental um, a bad team's time trial can actually be in that final GC. Definitely. Yeah. And she was, she was so aggressive the entire race. Every single time there was a mount, the mountains and she walked away with the queen of the mountains Jersey pretty handily at the end of the race. Like you said, Michaela Harvey, really impressive ride from her actually at the end of it. Um, with her ride today, Evita moved herself up into second in the young rider competition, but still almost five minutes down for Michaela Harvey, who was impressive the entire race and and most of all in stage eight when she was able to hang on hang on to Anna Van Bregen and Elisa Longo Borghini. And Mariona Voss won three stages, and that is great news for her going into the world championships, which we will discuss next week. And any other takeaways from the Giro Rosa? Before- I think we've pretty much covered everything, but again, I, I think um you know, we we all collectively have to come together, and this is how change happens, right? That you need to be the change that you want to see in the world, um, that we all need to voice our opinion, that we're disgruntled about this, that we want to see better coverage than this. We're not saying there needs to be live television yet for everything, but the Women's World Tour has set a standard, and if a race has got that status, they have to abide by those regulations that have been set in place and the UCI it's actually on them to be honest yeah and we could seriously we could talk for so long about this and we could go into the the complexities of having the ASO be such a high-ranking place uh high-ranking kind of over what's the word I'm looking for having so much power in men's racing and how bad that is for men's cycling. Mm-hmm. And and the Giro Rosa is basically acting like the ASO without the money in that they're not abiding by the UCI rules and, and the UCI is letting them do so. Yeah, it's kind of like you need us, we don't need you in a way. But, I mean, if yeah. you think about it, without the teams, you can't have a race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, the teams are never going to boycott this race because of what this race is. But we as fans can definitely continue to be disgruntled about this. And yeah, it's it's beating a dead horse and, and we don't want to be so negative. But also, we have a responsibility to push this organization to be better And if the UCI is not going to do it, like we have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done that by, by cycling tips has done at least something this year by covering the Giro so extensively and having reporters on the ground and doing all of our daily coverage. And I think that this is the first year ever that any publication has covered the Giro so extensively, at least any English speaking publication and and I'm so proud of Cycling Tips for doing that. And thank you so much to all of the Velo Club members who have made it possible. But I just want to see so much more growth from this next year. And so tweet at the Giro Rosa. Be like, yo, we want, we want live coverage in 2021. Step it up. 
<laughs> or else we're taking your status away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, the UCI also needs to be held accountable because I think this year, yes, maybe we can give them a little bit of a break because of the change of schedule, because of the pandemic and everything. We can, we can be, I don't know, 10% less angry at them. But as I've said in the past, the reason that we're harping on them so much is because of the history of the race and the history that, yeah, like Lauren said, three years ago, her and I were covering this race and there was, we were having the same exact conversations and the fact that they've never shown that they want to elevate women's cycling and that they want to grow with the changing times of the women's UCI and the rules that are coming into play for the women's world tour. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what puts the bad taste in my mouth is more so than like the women's, the women's tour has also never had live coverage, but that was a lot of that had to do with it being really expensive in the UK because the pockets of no service and whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we talk, we understand, like, um, because, you know, we've been sort of in this industry for a while, we, we understand how much money is involved in live coverage. But in order to cover a race, sometimes you don't need to do that much in order to get enough information across that people following, yes, we're used to following on Twitter, we're used to watching just a few snippets here and there. It, it's not that hard, I'm sorry, but you know, I've covered races with my phone before when there hasn't been live coverage and yeah. done a better job. So yeah, um, that says something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and even this year, because this year is when the UCI made it mandatory for races to have live coverage exactly. of the final 45 minutes. And this year, the women's tour guaranteed that they would have live coverage. Yeah. And it it didn't happen, so we can't know if that would if that is true or not. But the difference between the two races is if the women's tour says we guarantee live coverage, we know it's gonna happen. Yeah, well they have such a great history since that race started, and I've said it time and time again, it's one of my favorite tours because you felt like really like a professional athlete. If yeah. that, that's the only way I can describe it is when I showed up, I felt like, wow, this is how a race should be run. This is just exactly what women's cycling needs to look like. Yeah. And I, I did it one year too. And I agree. It's such a well-run race and the riders feel so taken care of mm-hmm. and it's so well organized. And that's kind of the major difference between and it was it was everything about the race from yeah the commentary to um I think the one year I did it they had like the package in the evening so you could watch the race all the schools came out to watch the races there were fans like there's like uh quite a huge fan base now in the UK that follow women's cycling and people came from all over the country to watch the race and they would come up to you and say I follow you on Twitter and I um I just had such fond memories of that race and I'd like to see it happen for all the women's races. Um, That's my dream. (laughs) Anyway, that concludes our coverage of the Giro Rosa. Lauren, thank you so much for being my partner in crime through this nine day stage race and chatting about all of the action with me. No, it's, it's been fun. And um, 
you know, you get the like post tour blues, even though we're not there. But um, it was really great to to follow the race and yeah, to discuss it with you every evening. Um, and again, looking forward to talking about the world championships in just a few days because that's just around the corner. I saw the tweet that it's five days to go today. Um, and I'm very excited to see the outcome. I would be surprised if um, Elisa is not on the podium. I'm going to go for her. I'm just going to – maybe we'll wait. We'll wait until next week. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my Let's mom who is who is devastated that this coverage is ending because she said it's like having you and I in her kitchen every single day. Um, sorry, mom. Oh, I'll still call you every day. Pancakes in the car park three years ago. Oh man, that was great. Tour California. My dad made pancakes in the parking lot of the last. <laughs> Your parents are so amazing. Really. Uh, uh, women so- <laughs> women's cycling, man, it is a it is a special, special world, the women's cycling. But thank you all for listening. You you guys who are listening to this podcast are the ones who really made it possible. And thank you so much for the great feedback that we've been getting. All of the tweets and everything. It just it, it warms my heart to know that there are people out there who actually care what Lauren and I are doing and, and how we're trying to change the sport and better the sport. So thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast and for following along. And, and, and I mean, we're not done. We got the world championships coming up. We'll either do a preview or a post view episode or both. Who knows? We've been having so much fun. <laughs> we might just keep the momentum going. I think I would love to have a post, um, worlds like, rundown and then pre-classics preview yeah that's the thing we've got like because it's the Giro it feels like it's July and we're kind of heading into the tail end of the season but that is false we have all of the classics ahead of us Mm -hmm. so there is so much more fun to come and the classics are my favorite and I'm so excited for those races oh my god and let's not forget Paris-Roubaix first time ever for the women huge this year yeah huge huge deal lots more lauren and i to come and and yeah thank you guys so much and and here's hannah barnes so voila the giro rosa 2020 is come to an end and yeah i think everyone in in the team is really happy it's the best result that they've um they've had in the history of Canon Shram um, overall in the Giro Rosa. So, yeah, we're already happy. We're already proud of her achievements. Kasia was, of course, really great. She was able to keep her cool and not not panic. And yeah, I think it. She really deserves everything. And yeah, we're all we're all super happy and super stoked. And yeah, it's um, probably the most fun I've had at the Giro. Actually, that I think that was my fourth one. Um, yeah, and had fun on and off the bike really and I think that that showed throughout how we were racing we were a really good unit and strong and yeah we're really looking forward to carrying that on into the the next races I guess yeah the next month to six weeks which sounds crazy when we're middle of September but yeah that's that's how this year is but yeah I'm just got to make sure we all rest and recover now and I think everyone that was at the Giro for us is moving on to the worlds, um, doing either the TT or the road race or, or both. So yeah, for us, it's, it's really great that we've had such a strong 
nine days and can go into those races now really confident and yeah, looking forward to them.